We are in the second week um, of our Hashtag Blessed series, which is a series in the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ. Last week we did Blessed Are the Poor in Spirits, for theirs is the kingdom of God, of heaven. Um, this week we're on Blessed Are Those Who Mourn, for they will be comforted. When I was five, around five, four or five, uh, my father was a missionary to Korean fishermen and American Samoa. So we actually lived in Samoa. I was born in Hawaii. First four years of my life were in Hawaii. And then we lived for in Samoa. Less than a year, maybe a year. And uh, he, was, he planted a church there, a Korean church there. So there are Korean churches in Samoa. Um, maybe one. And, uh, and we lived in this house. And I remember this house vaguely. Uh, because there was a lot of rain and a lot of flooding, a lot of the houses in Samoa were built on stilts, right? So they're on stilts, and then you have the house. So a, a two-story house, but it's just one story, elevated. And our particular house had a sliding glass door, like many of us have at our houses, except there's no porch, there's no railing. You open the door, and it's just a drop-off. And so, but it gets hot, it, it's, it gets hot in Samoa. And so my parents had that, had it open and I was running around eating saltines crackers, which was my favorite snack, saltine crackers. And running around with my brother and my dad was, we had a friend over, he had a friend over, he was playing Go with his friend, you know, Paduk in Korean, they were playing that on the floor. And I'm just like dancing around, talking, eating my crackers like chubby buggy, right? Like everything was flying around. And I'm backing up and all of a sudden, there's nothing under me. And I, I feel the sensation of falling. And my dad's like, what? My brother Sam is crying. And um, my dad runs down the stairs. His friend actually just jumps down from the sliding door. And um, luckily they took me to the hospital. No broken bones, just bruises and scratches. But my parents had this recording of me um, where people asked, uh, my father would ask me, what happened? You fell like two stories and you like, you know, landed on the ground. Um, how do you feel? And he, and I, I said, I didn't cry. I just said, ouchie, ouchie. And my dad would all constantly, whenever people from church came over, he'd play that recording. I didn't cry. I just said, ouchie. And he was so proud. My son is so tough, right? And yeah, and God protected him. But also, he didn't cry, right? I just said, ouchie. And I was so proud of that. He was proud of me, that I was tough. And I'm not a little boy that cries or whines, even though I got hurt. And growing up as a little boy, I actually continued to take pride in that. Uh, I taught myself not to cry, but to be tough. And so, you know, when you play football or uh, in their neighborhood or basketball and you fall down, you scrape yourself or you get hit really hard and you fall down, you know, people would be like, are you okay? Are you okay, Dave? Are you okay, Dave? And I wouldn't say anything. I'd just pop up really fast. I'm fine. Right? I'm good. I'm good. I'm tough. Even though inside I'm like, oh, this hurts so bad. And uh, I'd always bounce back up and I'd always say, uh, make, make it a point to brag that. Yeah, I ne I've never cried because I've gotten physically hurt. I've never cried because I've gotten physically hurt. And I wonder where we get that, where I got that, right? Do we teach our children 
especially our boys, not to cry. In our culture, do we only laud the winners, the triumphant, the exceptional, and ignore the losers, the, fal the faltering, and the unexceptional? I catch myself sometimes when Isaiah falls or trips down and he starts to cry. And it, it kind of sounds like, oh, he's crying like a little baby. And I catch myself like, Isaiah, don't cry or stop whining. And I stop and like, why am I saying that? What is that? What is it about his vulnerability and his childlikeness that kind of sparks this like, oh, I got to shut it down. And I think, you know, you talk, uh, we, we hear, you know, uh, psychologists and sociologists write books and articles about, you know, this contributes to toxic masculinity in our culture. We need to allow our boys to cry and show their emotions. Why do we shut down this toughness? Why do we kind of set forth this toughness mentality? All of that. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, I bring that up because I think it's, it's counter, it's actually counter natural to how we're built as humans. It's actually not human to stop ourselves from crying or mourning or weeping or expressing our emotions. And it's actually hurtful to our children when we tell them, oh, you shouldn't cry. You, you should just buck up and deal. And um, this is not the way of Jesus, amen? We've been talking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes are kind of the entry point into uh, Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus uses the Beatitudes or the Beatitudes reflect his way. Like this, you, you may experience the world in this way or the culture may be saying live in this way, but to be kingdom people, right? To be clothed and have the character of kingdom people, it means to have these characteristics. And actually, as their beatitudes are, blessed are you when you are like this, these are actually gifts. These are benedictions that God, that Jesus is giving to his people. I am blessing you with this character, with these qualities. It is good. Happy are you when you are like this. It means I am with you, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the way of Jesus. Does the scripture say, when you read the scripture, does it say, blessed are the invulnerable, for they will be comforted? No. Does the scripture say, blessed are the tough guys that never cry, because they will be comforted? No. How about blessed are the comfortable? who have never suffered, who have nothing to worry about. Does it say that? No. Blessed are those that have never experienced significant loss. Blessed are the privileged, only happy people. No. Blessed are you when you are not a burden, have everything put together, have a smile on your face when you come to church every Sunday, and don't get over-emotional, not too much drama, please. Is that what the scripture says? No. <laughs> if we were a bigger church, we'd be like, no. That's what I imagine, like, you know, when I'm like dreaming. No. Yes. <laughs> Blessed are those that mourn, mourn, mourn. 
for they will be comforted. And that word mourn, just like weeping, like, it's even more than cry for me. Like, I can shed a tear and the teardrop will come down, but mourning and weeping, it's a little out of control, right? Like when you see people at funerals or you see people at the wailing, people wailing because they've experienced loss or because they're suffering. I remember in college, I had the opportunity to go to the Yucatan, Mexico on a project with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship uh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year. And I remember one of the entry posts in my journal, when each time we left our host family, we were there for like six weeks and there was a total of about two or three stops we had in the villages, the pueblos. And uh, each time we left, all of our host family and their kids and everyone in the village, they were crying and hugging us and, and just weeping. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm going back home. I'm glad I'm leaving this place. There was no, like, not as much emotional connection. And I was like, I didn't get it. Like, why are they so into me? Why are they so into us? Why were they so attached? Like, what, what is it about them? And then I realized, like, what is it about me and us that our hearts weren't as engaged or our hearts weren't as vulnerable or our hearts weren't, we weren't crying because we were sad to leave. But yet they were crying because they were sad we were leaving. And this, like, I journaled and I wrote poems about this. I was like, man. And I think it has to do with what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are you. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What does it mean to have an open heart? What does it mean to be vulnerable in your spirit? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Right? Not rich in our layers and our onion layers of obstacles to protect ourselves, but poor and open and ready to receive and dependent and needing God or suffering very close to our suffering, mourning in our hearts. Are you with me, church? We can't be comforted by the God who is the ultimate comforter if we don't weep, if we don't mourn, if we don't lament. If we don't lament. Anyone know Brene Brown? Brene Brown is... Uh, professor and psychologist, sociologist, thinks a lot about people, and she has a TED talk out there about the power of vulnerability. There's actually a Netflix series um, with Brene Brown, and uh, basically her thesis in studying, she's trying to study why certain people are happier or just blessed, are living blessed lives, like they feel blessed, they feel happy and content with their lives versus other people. Is it circumstances? Is it wealth? Is it this or that? And she came down to one common denominator. And the common denominator was that the, the people who were content and really like blessed, felt blessed in their lives, were wholehearted people. And what defined and characterized as wholehearted people? Wholehearted people were those that were vulnerable. That, that uh, always practice the art of vulnerable. Their hearts were always open. 
So in relationships, even though the other person can stomp on me and break my trust and hurt me, yet I will still put my heart out there. Yet I will still lean in. Yet I will still trust and be open. And it's actually those people, which is counterintuitive, right? It's not those people who are, you know, get hurt and are like bitter and like, you know, jaded. Those people are the people who, who are wholehearted, are the ones that are most content and happy. And this is one of my kind of life themes and models, and I see it all through scripture. Actually, as, as people of Jesus, as people of the way, this is the way. The way is to take off our helmets and our armor and to live wholehearted lives. That's what it means to have faith. How do you have hope? You live wholeheartedly and openly and vulnerably. How do you have faith? You trust wholeheartedly, openly, vulnerably. How do you have deep relationships? You're open-hearted, you're wholehearted, you're vulnerable. And we see that God is a wholehearted God and an open God and a relational God who longs to touch us, who longs to be with us, who longs to comfort us. In the Bible, we see God is close to the brokenhearted. God hears the cry of his people. God is the God of the poor. Are you with me, church? And God is the God of those who weep, who cry, who mourn. There's a, a good book by Sun Chan Ra called Prophetic Lament. And in it, uh, one of the things he talks about is, you know, he did a bunch of studies, and I've heard him give lectures about this. He, he did studies on the most popular worship songs sung in church, like CCLI Top 100. And as he was studying, he was kind of looking, trying to look for songs that were laments. Right? You see that all through scripture in the Psalms. You see lament, 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 right? God. I'm suffering, God, I'm weeping, God, I'm mourning. Help me, God. And yet, in the American church, there's a severe lack of songs of worship that involve lament. Because his take is that we are married too much to American triumphalism, right? Triumphalism and... Uh, don't get me going, an exceptionalism, right? Like, we're about victory, right? The church is about victory and being the best and being happy and celebrating and being good. And yet, there's no place for those that are sad or mourning or downtrodden or marginalized. And so, if, you have, if you're building that kind of facade and that culture of triumphalism, then where are our ears and our compassionate hearts for those who are not doing well, or even for ourselves when we're not doing well, right? If there's anywhere that we need to come weeping and mourning and not at our best, it should be Sunday, right? But instead, we come to Sunday with our Sunday best, not just our Sunday best clothes, but our Sunday best faces, right? And we're like joker, mini jokers going around with smiles on our face and going, ha, 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 but not everything is right. Or we sing praises 
and like give glory to God and we celebrate America is so great. God is so great. And yet, right down the street, people are homeless, right? People are being incarcerated unjustly. People are suffering and they're sad. And the church needs to lament and mourn more because that's the reality of the world. That's being in touch. That's what it means to be open-hearted, vulnerable, wholehearted people. In the Bible, again, we see God is close to the brokenhearted. (coughs) And he hears the cry of his people. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 34. And in verse 17 through 18, it reads, The righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous cry out. God hears them. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Again, in Exodus, God hears the cries of his people in Egypt and is moved. In 3.7, God is speaking uh, to Moses through the fiery bush and he says I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering verse 9 and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them so now go I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites out of Egypt In 1 Samuel, in the first chapter, uh, this is one of my favorite scenes of someone coming into the church and crying out to God. We have Hannah weeping bitterly in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Um, And Eli, the priest, is there. Uh, She is weeping, she's praying and weeping so bitterly. The scripture says she's weeping bitterly that he thinks she's drunk and he's about to chastise her and kick her out. And so he approaches her and says, what are you up to? I long for a son, and I'm crying out bitterly to my God. And when Eli hears this, he says to her, go in peace. May the Lord of Israel give you what you've asked him. Give you what you've asked him. People weep bitterly and cry out to God, and God hears and answers and comforts. John 11, classic, Jesus is moved at the death of Lazarus. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved them. Oh, how our God loves us. See how he loves you. See how he loves everyone. 
because he is a God that weeps when we weep, mourns when we mourn. He is a God not unattached, detached. He's not a God detached from our own suffering, from the suffering that we witness in the world. He's a God who is attached, who hears, who has compassion and empathy. And we see in scripture and here in our this beatitude that there is a promise of comfort. There's a promise of comfort. Jesus is near to the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. And also, as the church, we are a church that laments with those that lament around us and in the world. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Just as Christ promises comfort to those who mourn, sometimes we are going to be that comfort to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family members. When they are mourning, when they are hurting, when they are suffering, we are the face of Jesus, right? Jesus says himself, when you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. Feed the hungry, visit the, those in prison, right? help the poor. When you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. We are the face of comfort. We are the promise for people as well. Uh, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. The call for the community of faith is to be with people where they are at, to rejoice with people when they're rejoicing, and to mourn with people who mourn. We can be the comfort. We can be the blessing to one another and to those who mourn around us. And the art or the tools that we need, um, the loving tools, is to listen and to have compassion, to believe what you hear from people, and to embrace, to embrace. Brian Stevenson, um, there's a movie out there, Just Mercy, that just came out. Um, some of us watched it yesterday. And uh, Just Mercy um, uh, is kind of biographical, tells the story of Brian Stevenson, who's a defense attorney defending people on death row um, who've been wrongly accused or have, don't have enough money, didn't have enough money to uh, have a lawyer. And um, it's a really powerful movie, Jamie Foxx and uh, Brian Jor uh, Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan. And, uh, but Brian Stevenson uh, in Christianity Today did an article uh, and he quote, quote, he says, we need to see people of faith in spaces where there's a lot of despair and anguish, where there's a lot of trauma and abuse. I can't think of any place where that is more evident than in our jails and prisons. I wanna see people of faith get re-engaged. The gospels talk about not only feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and providing shelter to the homeless, but also about going into the jails and prisons and standing with the accused. And we don't, we haven't done that in a way that I think we should be. 
And I hope it still inspires a conversation that helps us into that place. We worship a Jesus who was born in a manger, who was a refugee, whose life was threatened, who had the, his family had to flee to Egypt, and then finally came back and then went up to Galilee and Nazareth. Because his life was threatened from the onset. He wasn't rich. He didn't come from wealth or privilege. He was undocumented, right? The authorities were after him. In the end of his life, he was incarcerated unjustly and executed unjustly. This is who Jesus is. That's why Jesus stands in solidarity with those who mourn and suffer and who are poor. Because that's who he is. And if that's who Jesus is, then that's who the church should be. Amen? That's who the church should be. We should be listeners. We should be lovers. We should have compassion. Our hearts should break. We should lament the world out there. Not be like blind and like, oh, we're floating in clouds. We're going to heaven one day. No. Look out there, right outside of our doors. The people who come through our food bank, they're living in the woods. Many of them. Many of them had homes, had jobs, are educated. Any of us. And yet, they don't have housing. And we need to have compassion, and we need to love, and we need to be. We need to engage, as Brian Stevens says. says. We need to engage with those, with the despair, the spaces of despair and anguish. Because it's all around us. We need to engage. We need to engage. Right? We can't, the church needs to stop aligning ourselves with the voices and the brokers of power. Amen? Stop aligning ourselves with the brokers of power and start aligning ourselves in solidarity with Jesus Christ who suffered and died in solidarity with the poor, the marginalized, the weak. And for ourselves too, individually, we need to be open and wholehearted and vulnerable and brave with our own suffering, with our own poverty, with our own weakness. Align yourselves with who Jesus would be with. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And finally, I want to speak pastorally um, to each of you as individuals. If there are people here that are experiencing loss right now, many of us have experienced loss are suffering, are struggling with our health, are struggling financially, are estranged from our family members, our brothers or sisters, our sons and daughters, and it's our hearts are broken. God hears you. God hears the cries of your heart. And that's the promise. 
Blessed are you when you mourn, because I am with you. I am comforting you. I will comfort you. Bring those things in your heart to Jesus. Lay them at his feet. It's okay. I want to say to that little David, it's okay to cry. To just let go. Just put it out there. We serve a powerful God. We worship a strong God. We worship a healing God who wants to heal our souls. There are things that, from our past, our family, our um, families of origin, brokennesses, that many of us still wrestle with. I know I wrestle with it. It affects my relationships with my children, with my wife, how I trust people. Um, God the healer wants to come in and comfort and heal any wounds and scars that you have, the dark places, the sad places, the places of loss. So we're going to take some time um, to reflect, um, to let our hearts kind of give our hearts to God, give our hearts to Jesus. If you need to mourn, if you need to weep, feel free to do that. If you need to just write, write something down in a journal or your cell phone or a connection card, if you just need to pray or cry out in prayer, that's fine too. Take whatever posture you need, but we'll take some silence um, to reflect and respond. And uh, I'm going to have a song just make some music. And then I'll, I'll close us. Uh,